that's probably should have been the number one thing I put out there was and I got his commission rate, how all that works is clear, his base salary is clear, how he needs to approach appointments. But the one thing I didn't give him was any kind of goalery. And I was like, how did how did that happen? And it's probably because I don't have things like what you're talking about. I don't have them set in place where it's very clear cut on what they, you know, I expect from them. Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together we'll hear the stories of real-life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real-life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who, like yourself, are working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team, but then will also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there from here. Welcome to Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. This is Coach Matt, along with Coach Dan, and our esteemed guest, Chad Davis. Welcome, Chad. Thank you for coming to share your story with us. How are you today? No, absolutely. I appreciate it, but Doing good. Doing good. Can't complain. So what's it like, even though I live in Canton, Georgia, what's it like on your side of Canton, Georgia today? Oh, it's beautiful today. I mean, I don't know, the mid-70s, something like that, sun out, it's great. That's yeah, we had a little cold snap, and only in Georgia where it'll be, what, freezing one day, and we'll have like four seasons and four different days, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, the last of the weekend, it was below freezing. Week before that, it hit 80. <laughs> And that's supposed to go back to it next week, which just means I'll get a sinus infection at some point. Now, it gets me every year. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that pollen doesn't help either. But so, all right, Chad, so you operate your business and you obviously live around Canton, Georgia. Just take a moment real quick to tell us a little bit about your business, how long you've been running it, um, why you started maybe, uh, what type of business it is. Uh, yeah, I started it, um, <clears throat> let me try that, 14 years ago. Um, and basically, it's anything outside, whether it's, and that's just a, a general way I kind of describe it. People want to be able to meet with them and they ask what all we do. It's basically anything outside of your house when it comes to, you know, redoing the outside. And by outside, I mean, not necessarily the, not your windows or paint your house, but um, your outdoor living spaces. So whether it's pools, patios, um, sunrooms. Uh, you know, pergolas, fireplace, fire pits. I mean, if you've seen it on Pinterest, it's something we have done or can do. <laughs> I got some work for um, you, Chad. Come on, come come outdoor. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got to be careful with the Pinterest stuff sometimes. People show me stuff, and I'm like, you don't realize you just showed me a $300,000 picture. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can do it. <laughs> you get a $12,000 You don't budget. realize what you're showing me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the gist of what we do. So how'd you get, how'd you get started? How'd you get started? So 14 years ago, what made you start this? It was, I'll be this way. I went to college for an accounting degree mm -hmm. and I was in college. And then my uncle needed somebody that he could trust to just come, you know, work for his company doing this same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with him till I was 24. How many years was that? And 24, 25. That was right at 14 years ago. I worked with him from I was 20 to 25. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I knew I wouldn't work for him forever. 
just because there's only so much money I could make doing that. And I had to figure out something different. And um, he's actually the one that made me realize I could do this on my own because he said something to me one day about, you know, I know you won't be working with me, you know, for too much longer. I was like, well, if you, if you pay me good, I will. He's like, no, you won't. You're not built that way. And that was the first time I really thought about it. I was like, okay, I mean, maybe I'm not built to work for somebody else. So how do you differentiate yourself at the point of that when you know that you've got three or four estimates in there? What's, what is your USP? More times than not, I'll say this without, I mean, it's going to sound like bragging. I generally know more than anybody else they talk to. Like a lot of people will do certain aspects of it, but then they'll sub out, you know, like their pavilion construction and all this kind of stuff. Or they, they can't answer every question the homeowner has about certain things. So they may be able to for 80% of it, but it may be, well, I got to check with somebody else about this. And that, that has been something I've noticed a lot. And the other one is just being able to show my portfolio of stuff I've done. Like here, I mean, look at mine versus, you know, and there's other people that do a great job. Um, but generally it's just, they see, you know, and of course price always, you know, is a factor, it's a but, um, but it's generally just that, and I've been doing this long enough and I just, I know what I'm doing. I can answer any question they have about anything. Um, and that goes, seems to go further with them than what price point is, you know, or what, or anything like that. But, um, so yeah, I would say the two things would just be knowledge of it and, uh, my ability to design it. I guess, and what I can show them it would look like. Um, and then showing them pictures of stuff we've done, um, you know, that, and then my reviews are good. So it's, it's a combination of those things, but I, probably those are the main ones. Yeah. I'm going to pivot a little bit real quick here. How clear do you, would you say you are, Chad, on your vision for where you want uh, the company to be, say, three years from now? I'm, I'm clear on it. But I'll say not 100% because I'm shifting gears a little bit. But I never had a maintenance division. I never had the time to start it. I never really. So I've been looking the last four or five years as far as just purchasing one. Well, I found one and I'm buying one. I'm actually supposed to close next Friday. Oh, cool. Um, Congratulations. I just never liked doing it. You know, as far as, well, with the maintenance part, it takes one of two things you you either have to pay somebody to run it as you're starting it. And you're just going to have to know, Hey, look, I'm going to lose, you know, it's going to cost me 75 grand this year. And I probably, I might probably will just lose that or you have to do it yourself. And that's why years ago, I started the maintenance division three different times, hmm. shut it down within six months. Cause I just, I wasn't willing to just take a big hit while it was building and let somebody else build it. And two is, I'm a little bit of a control freak, so I don't know if that ever worked out either. Um, so I had to let, so I just ended up letting it go because I didn't have the time to do it myself. Um, so then it was just, you know, been on the lookout last four or five years and finally, you know, found one that works. And so that way I can start bringing more of that in there because I'm going to get rid of, not get rid of, but get away from something that, I, you know, the structure part it does bring in good money. Just a lot of stress on me, and that goes a long way when it builds up a lot. Um, because it that stuff gets complicated that I end up having to do all of it, and it takes me away from other stuff when 
because the permitting process is just complicated. So I'm kind of shifting a little bit away from them, the structure stuff, not pushing it as much, and then but bringing the maintenance stuff on within a company that it it already runs itself, kind of. I mean, you know what I mean by that. I mean, there's people in place already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because uh, I don't want to be working as much when I'm 55 and 60 years old. How, how big is your company? How many people do you have? So depending on what you, you know, actual real deal employees, about 15. Okay. People that I typically are managing on a daily basis, it's about 30. Okay. So and then the next two weeks, it'll be about 45. How much are you managing those people actively throughout the day? Or do you have some, do you have a, a foreman for each of those crews or for each of the jobs that are uh, on site or? Yeah. Um, I am a part of all, like I, I'm, I'm part of all the, my word this right. The installation process of everything, because my name's going to be on it. We'll make sure it's done right. But my guys have been with me long enough that I don't, I don't have to be out there with them. I don't, you know. There's a guy on each crew that really, you know, all the guys that run the crews have been with me for a long, you know, at least seven or eight years. So you'll you'll you mostly um, set it up, and they'll execute on it and manage the projects. I still go out to jobs about every two or three days. Um, I try not to go longer than that without making it out there, unless it's a very straightforward, like this is just a big long wall, you know, yeah. nothing complicated about it. I have two sales guys that work for me now because I used to do all of it. Mm-hmm. I do the sales, make sure it's installed right, do all of that, all, you know, um, and it just was too much. Um, uh, there's too many loose ends falling through. Um, but I'm trying to get out of where they do all the sales stuff. Because the one thing I won't ever let anybody else take control of is the, the installation of larger projects. There's just, I like doing that. Um, that's the part that I enjoy. But two, that's the part where you can lose a lot of money if you don't stay on top of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't build a wall right and it falls. There's 50 grand gone. You know, I mean, it just, and probably, I mean, that's, that's the part of it I like. I don't enjoy the sales part of it. I don't hate it, but it's not, I don't, you know, like the office stuff. But so I'm trying to get it where I can just do that and then make it to where it's, you know, whether I ever sell it or not, I need to have that kind of value. That's another reason I brought the maintenance department in. You can't sell a company like mine without some kind of constant revenue stream that you can say on paper, like, look, you know, these accounts are here. I mean, unless you blow them, it's, you know, they're part of the company. Yeah. So trying to sell it like as just a GC, like I am kind of deal. I leave. There's nothing, you know, you can't sell that. I mean, you can, but you're not going to get much out of it. Yeah. I want to tie these two things together. I asked a bit ago about if you, how clear you are on your vision and, and where you want the company to be three years from now. It's just always a good baseline for, for, it's like, pick the point on the map, right? Um, so uh, it sounds like that might be part of that vision is it having a company to a place where it can be sold. Is that a three-year idea? Is it is it firm? Is it kind of a loose idea? Are you thinking five years, 10 years? Tell us a little bit more about that if you, if you would. I don't have a plan on selling it in three to five years, but I'd like to get it to that point. And I mean, three years, you know, would be great, five years. I just, I want it to be, Available if I decide to. 
So I don't know if I want to sell it in five years. I don't, I can't imagine the thought of me ever not working, even if it's just minimal. But I would like it to be where if I needed to sell it, you know, I could. Mm-hmm. And just also to know it has that kind of value and just, you know, and keep building it. I, I enjoy the building of it more than I do anything, but um, more than I care about chasing the money, I just like the, the, um, I'll say struggle or oh, I can't think of the right word, but um, just the part of building it. Yeah. The challenge of it. It's more along the lines of I have a certain, I wanted to be, I mean, I wanted to be sellable then, which really once I have this maintenance account part of it, I could turn it, it would be sellable because then I can package that. Now it's, it wouldn't be profitable with me because I'd have the money I just spent. There'd be no point in it, but technically it would be sellable within a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but Five-year goals would be just more doubling the size of the maintenance part. And I don't think I want to – I don't want to grow too much more of the installation side just because I'd ha- I'm at a point where I'd have to really jump to the highest level to, to, to grow my installation side anymore. What part of that sounds unappealing? <clears throat> I, the work that it would take because every time, like, you know, you hit, I don't know the exact terms for it, or you hit, hit certain points where it's almost like a plateau for a little bit, and then you don't, in order to grow, you're not going to make much more money for a while. Yeah. And then it's also, I watched my uncle whose company was in the process of trying to get to that bigger company and the economy tanked and he about lost everything. He made it through and he's one of the few that did make it through of the larger companies. Mm. Um, I don't need, it's not like I, like I said, I'm not, I don't chase the money. So it's like, I want to, I mean, I make a good living. I want it to be worth money and great. I mean, how much it's worth, but yeah. there's a certain point where quality of life is no longer worth the amount of money that I make. Yeah. Cost better in order to get to that size. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and the maintenance is something that I could grow and it's easier to grow that and put people in place to manage that because it's not as complicated. Anybody I know that can manage what I do on the installation side to where I could someday get away from it, or I'd have to hire people that can run it, you know, run that part if I was going to go to that, that upper level. Yep. They all do it themselves. I mean, it's like if they can, so trying to find somebody that could do that, that would stay, it's just, it's, I've seen so many people try it. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, and the biggest landscape companies really are no bigger they're not a whole lot bigger than me as far as installation goes. They just have monster maintenance size to their account. They'll have 20 crews running. So, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, in five years, I said double the maintenance, you know, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I could grow a little bit, but I'm like, I mean, I did like last year, did three and a half million. I'm not trying to get to 10, you know, $5 million in revenue be about as much as I'd want to take on as far as the large projects. Cause then, I mean, I wouldn't enjoy it anymore. And I, I, I learned, a, I don't know, probably about four or five years ago, the, not the, not the memes you see on the internet or whatever, where I oh, only work 30 hours a week, quality of life kind of stuff. Like, no, that's just being lazy, but I don't want to work 80 hours a week. I got three kids that all do sports. I don't want to miss their sporting events. I don't want to, you know, so it's just, 
I'm happy with the size that it's at now. I make the money I need to make. I'm able to save money. I'm able to do all that. Um, I said, there's, I'm not trying to be some $20 million a year company, basically. Yeah. It's just not something I want. I, I want to enjoy what I do. Yeah. Matt, Matt, I don't know if you're on the same page. I think you are, Matt, on the same page as this. Uh, far be it for me as a business coach to ever try and talk somebody into growth that they don't find to be worth it, to be worth the effort, to be worth the risk, to be, you know, just a pursuit that they are an ambition that they actually aspire to. I think I think everybody has their sweet spot and you, you kind of have to respect that. There are a lot of people who will say, yeah, but you could you could hustle and have twice what you have now. And and I think that's, you know, you're setting up uh, a, a vision that involves like you were talking about a level of ambition that that's um, uh, it's disproportionate the amount of effort that it would take, or at least in your mind at this point um, to get there. I mean, there's a, a great contrary argument to that to saying, okay, so the way that it's running right now, that would indeed be too much work. If you were to triple in size right now, the way the company runs today, there's no way you, I mean, you'd be working, like you said, 80 hours a week and that's, that's not worth it. But there is always the option entertained to say, yeah, but what if the company ran differently? What if you could, what if you could find the help that you could trust? What if you could implement systems that offered reliable, predictable, efficient, effective results every single time? Right. And so there's always that counter argument to that. But at the end of the day, if you're like, yeah, but I don't, I don't even want to go that far. Again, Matt, if, if you feel differently, far be it from me anyway, to try and talk somebody into greater ambition or, or more audacious, you know, goals. Why well, five, you should five X this business. And that's great for some people. It's just not for everybody. Well, there was no, something the that. Or, or go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I'm on the, yeah, I'm on the same page there. It's. <clears throat> I think the older you get, it's the quality of life piece, and and one of the kind of questions that keeps popping into my head, which it sounds like you're in a good place with it, Chad. But then I also wonder too, because I've owned businesses before too, right? We all have, and and the idea of it is, is are there times where it does pull you in, and when it too much, and when it does pull you in. Is it affecting quality of life? Is there some opportunity there that keeps you in essentially the the place that you want to be without, you know, having to sacrifice that at certain moments when it pulls you back into the business to the parts where you're like, oh, gosh, this just this sucks. I wish I had a better way or I wish there was a better systemization or this requires too much of my attention on this particular part. You know, is there a way to still refine, I guess, is where I'm looking at, at where you are and create even more possibility for quality of life. But I don't know. It sounds like you're in a in a pretty good place with it. But that's kind of the question I keep asking is, are there times where you are pulled in where you still have to make those sacrifices at times? And and is there a solution? Is there something that you'd want to explore there even? Yeah, I mean, there's always, I mean, I always get pulled back into a lot more things than I want to be pulled back into. Um, and some of that is, you know, it's my fault. Um, I struggle probably the most with, I make sure not to micromanage people, but I'm, I have to really reel back in my control freak part of things. It's a struggle for me to ever let, and I've forced myself to do it and it's, it's worked. Um, 
I have to force myself to not micromanage people, not have to be, you know, there's certain things I obviously have to be in control of and certain decisions I have to make. And that's a lot of them, but, you know, trusting other people to do it right is always something I have to struggle with. And I have to remind myself, I'm like, all right, I can't, I can't go over there and try to fix this problem. They got to figure it out for themselves, you know, cause it's a problem that's not going to cost me a bunch of money if they mess it up. Right. But if they never learn, I'll be kind of, you know, screwed. So, I mean, there's a lot of times I get pulled back in. Um, and, and also, Dan, back to you said about, you know, what if it, you know, could put those people in place and all of that and be able to grow with, you know, let's just say I'm working a 50 hour week. If I could grow it and never work more than 50 hour week, yeah, that would be great. Um, but I guess I just hit a point where every time you try to grow, there's always going to be risks involved. There's going to be more money put into it, more all of that. And I guess where the reason I kind of decided not to so much do that, I don't need to take those risks. You know, I don't need, if it was just, let's just say I, I was single, no, no wife, no kids, no nothing. And because if that was the case, I'd live in a trailer on the land and have a bunch of toys and whatever. But I, who cares if I lost everything, if I made a mistake or money got tight because I, you know, took a risk that didn't pan out. But right now, I don't, I haven't seen the need to take any risks to try to grow that because I don't, I mean, at some point, it's, I just haven't really needed to, I guess, is, is the only thing. It's sure. just that risk hasn't been worth the reward to me. You know, I can make more money and have a bigger company, but I'm taking a risk when I don't need to. It's not like I'm, you know, not making much money and like, I've done that. I mean, like that's all I've done for the last 14 years. Yeah. They take risk after risk after risk. Yeah. Some of them worked out. A lot of them didn't work out, you know? Yeah. But that's the nature of it. You know, probably made more mistakes than I have done things right. <laughs> but yeah. I just refuse to ever give up on it. Yeah. You know, that's just not in me to do that. I mean, I, years ago, I'm, you know, first four or five years, I almost lost my house three times. I almost had cars repossessed. You know, it's just, it's part of the, the struggle of starting it just is what it is. So the thought of taking on more risk like that isn't, is, is probably the main reason. I know there's not a, there's not a big enough reward to it right now. Sure. Now somehow it was, Hey, you don't have to work anymore. Your risk is only a 10%, you know, kind of risk and we can double your day. Great. I'll do it then. I mean, um, I just, I hadn't found a way that I can do that without me having to work more, put more money out there, you know, and it's, I've had to learn not to rush things, not to think something has to happen in a year or two, um, and to be patient with it over time. And it, I, I didn't plan to get to this size. Originally, when I started this, I was like, I've never been, I don't have any need, desire to be where, you know, where my uncle is. I don't care. And now I'm where he was. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's, I'm in the same spot that I didn't intend to ever get to. Yeah. So, um, and actually I had a conversation with him, I don't know, uh, about two weeks ago, we were joking about it. Just about never wanting to, you know, get to that size. He's like, dude, it kind of happens without you wanting it to happen. He's like, yeah, it's just one of those things. If you, you know, if you have a good product and you're good at it, he's like, it's going to keep growing. Like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but, um, so I, I do go back and forth with that a little bit. 
just because of I don't want to take the you know a big risk right now. I don't need to. But again, I don't I don't do any of it for I'm not out just trying to make money. That's I mean, obviously I'm not I didn't do this to not make money, but I don't chase the money. You know, I just chase that I like, you know, the ambition part of it. Yeah. That's the part that I, you know, enjoy doing. Yeah. So you as you were describing the um the place you'd like to be three to five years, <clears throat> you mentioned it kind of as a as a sellable proposition. You want to have the options three to five years from now. Um in considering what that what that version of your company would look like versus where it's at today, what needs to change? What's what are what if you could identify the top one or two things that really have to shift in order for you to be that version of that company? What specifically needs needs to change? The first one is, like I said, you know, just having the maintenance division. Got to have that, and I got to grow that. You know, it does. It's profit. It's, it's pretty profitable now. Um, I mean, it's. Um, I mean, it just maintenance stuff that does about seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, um, with a net profit of around two hundred to two fifteen a year. He's averaged the last three years, but I need to. I want three years, maybe a little. Um, pushing it, but I'd say five years at least that doubled. Um, if it can double in three years, that'd be great. That's the part I got to grow the most. Um, and it's the easier one to grow now that it'll already be in place. Um, so I have to do that, but I also, um, the, I guess the little trickier part is I got to find a way to get the installation side of things where I'm not so involved in it, where I'm not doing as much. And that's where I've done like I hired, you know, a couple of sales guys. And then like the next step is I need to find somebody that can actually manage these type projects. They don't have to be able to do all of it, but somebody that can, can help on that side of it. I, I do have to find somebody like that or else I'll be working 60, 70 hours a week. Like I do now. You know, which is fine. I don't, that's not a lot to me. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we're serving up the entree right here, brother. I think this is the, this is the thing right there when it comes to both growing the maintenance division, as well as getting that install side dialed in where you want it. There are two things that you've said that I've keyed into, Matt, I'll bet you've heard the same thing. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times about you have a tendency to be a bit of a control freak. Um, and, oh, yeah. and you like your finger on the pulse of things. And uh, but you don't want to, and you find, you might find you, yeah, you have a tendency to micromanage and you try and pull back from that. And I want to tap into both of those things. And it's a, it's a little anecdote that I like, um, especially for micromanagers <clears throat> like myself, uh, where uh, I advocate, get in, I advocate for an owner to get in place, the systems, the processes, the people get those in place so that you can effectively manage because if you are effectively managing your tendency to micromanage is taken off the table. You don't feel like you need to have that micromanagement. You don't have to be breathing down everybody's neck. You don't have to be out there visiting every site, reviewing every bid, right? Managing every crew because you know, it's effectively managed 
So you don't have to micromanage it. And, and it's that key right there that allows you to kind of unlock that tendency or being able to pull back on that tendency to either micromanage or to control everything, right? That, that, that tendency, the people who, in my experience, who tend to have, um, uh, micromanagement issues or, uh, over responsibility issues that way, it's only born out of an abundance of care for quality, right? It, that's not a bad thing. It's part of what mm-hmm. has gotten you to where you're at, Chad, is that abundance of care for quality. But that's, that's the problem. There's, it's the abundance. It's a little bit too much. It's to the point where this, this care that, that differentiates you from the competition, this care that has allowed you to build the business to where it is, um, gets off leash, right? It's too much care. It, it gets to the place where, um, uh, you're taking extraordinary measures to make sure that the control that you hold to make sure that that care is taken, that becomes a dysfunction in the business, right? So, so I, like what I'd advocate mm-hmm. for, just present you, tell me what your thoughts are on it. If you could have in place a, a really effective way to manage a team, to manage the salespeople, to manage the bids, to manage the crews, would would you feel more comfortable backing off from the micromanagement tendencies and the control freak tendencies that you might just kind of have inherently in you? Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely would. And I have in certain ways. I've had, and that's where I've, like, I've had to force myself. Like I said, I've, I'm just, just as of this most recent sales guy, I just kind of, I won't say throw him to the wolves in the order that I didn't prepare him for, you know, and he had a good knowledge, being able to sell and design stuff. He came with a background of that. He's been doing it for 20 years. So it's not like he didn't have the capability of doing it or else I wouldn't have done this. And I still struggle with it sometimes when it's, you know, I basically just say, hey, look, man, I'm backing away from the sales stuff of it. You know, I'm, I'm putting this on you. And if I need to step in and help you, that's fine. I'll, you know, for now, I'm, I'll review every estimate you do, you know, send, you know, send me pictures, send me the design. Let me look at the pricing. Make sure you don't, you know, one, for my sake, the micromanager part a little bit. I need to make sure you don't underbid something and then, you know, we lose a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was not easy to do, you know, but I know it's something I had to do mm-hmm. um, in order to step, get away at all. Well, I love um, what you did there. You identified you, the, the specifics that, that you need to have your finger on the pulse of in order for you to feel comfortable. Identifying exactly what those are. If you can limit it to that, then you can, then you can, like, if you can identify what those things are that you need to know by math, <laughs> you can subtract all the things that you don't have to know that you don't have to f- have your finger on the pulse of to such quite uh, a granular level. Right? Do you see what I'm getting at there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because then I've, and also when I've looked at the numbers of things, there's, being that I get pulled into things, and and it's why I knew, like, all right, I, you know, I'll start with the sales, you know, another sales guy where I can back away from this. Um, I know I can make, Let's just say I had him do it. Say it did take last year and he did the sales. Say he sold, you know, he sold everything I sold last year. So the numbers were the same. I could have been a lot more profitable than I was, even though I was profitable. I could have been a lot more. 
if I was able to focus on things that I need to be focusing on. You know, I don't, because every additional thing that I do is one less thing I can do somewhere else. You know, there's only so much I can work. Um, And only so much I, you know, can do and that that was even possible to do. So that's, you know, like you said, I've, so I, you know, in other words, I've, I've had to do that in order to, so I went back and looked through all the numbers of last year before I hired him. And I was like, you know, it's, there's a lot of, <laughs> with every company, little things that you could have, that I would just say money wasted because you couldn't focus well, on it. Can I jump in? Can I jump in real quick? Mm-hmm. I'm curious what, what I'm kind of stepping back with is I'm, I'm wondering about the structure of your company. Do you, have you created organizational charts do you have an organizational chart for your company does every position have like a position agreement or a job description you know people call it different things in there do you have some of those things documented for for your company not documented just it's only been in a way of there's no set chart like that i have on paper it's been well, like, you know, my wife runs the office. So whenever she came and started working for me, I just slowly would give her more and more. But we were always, I mean, it's my wife. I talked to her all the time. Yeah. So but what she knows she needs to do has gotten very, like, that's pretty, you know, that, and that took a while. She didn't, she's been a stay-at-home mom until five years ago. Um, right. But so I would handle all of that. When she came in and took all that stuff, but. But everybody else, not really, other than just me kind of telling them, hey, this is what you need to do. So do I have it written out like you said? I don't. Yeah, and I was going to tie that back into what Dan was talking about right there. When you can limit the amount of things that irk you, that you feel like you have to have control with through documentation, that relieves you from the ability of having to worry about those things if you document and train on those things. And oftentimes... Um, it can come down to the organizational chart and having you know, specific position agreements with everybody where everybody knows what they're supposed to do, how it's supposed to be done, you know, the handbook, all these kind of things that gives, that takes all this stuff that you have to worry about and it puts it somewhere. It's the way that you expect it to be done. Right. And not all those things maybe get completely offloaded, but to Dan's point, the more of those that you can document, the more of those that you can train upon, like this sales guy, let me, let me go off that right for a second, that he had experience and stuff. And you kept on saying that I, I just had to teach myself to let go. One of the things that can really help you potentially and all business owners let go is by documenting the position well enough on how you expect it to be done, Chad, then that allows you to let, let it go. Because you can say, hey, I trained you on this. This is exactly how I would do it. This is my expectation. These are the metrics. These are the measurements. This is exactly what what I would do. And so instead of just kind of maybe, you you said throwing them to the wolves, I think a little bit on that, right? Instead of just throwing them to the wolves, right? You're saying, oh, here you go, right? Here's how I expect you to do it. And when you spend some time to develop them, and it's great that you already have a guy that already has some experience. That certainly helps with it. But there still is that things that you want to control, I'm sure, that that if that's documented, you're able to release that more. You train on it, you know thoroughly that you went over it, and then you can potentially manage those expectations over time because it's not all up here. You're not stuck in your head having to go, man, I told you, I told you to do that, but you didn't have it necessarily training, right? 
So just let me check in with you, Dan. Do you want anything, add anything to that? That was kind of a long little tirade there. No, man, you are spot on there. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and <laughs> what I'd add on to that is the, is the, um, you can hire people who have experience in the industry, say a salesperson, right? Uh, so you hire these couple sales guys, they've got experience in sales, but they don't, they have no experience in how all American landscape does it. And it's up to you to communicate those expectations to them, how we do it at all American landscape specifically. So until you can communicate those expectations to them, You've probably heard me say this before. You have no right to expect that from them if you haven't communicated that expectation to them. That's all, probably all relationships, right? For domestic and friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you got to communicate those expectations. And then once you have those expectations in what Matt is referring to, you know, as a job description, position agreement, role foundation, whatever, whatever terminology you use for that, then to be able to say, and I'm going to be chess. So there's the accountability piece to that. It's the other side of that coin. So here are my expectations. And every Friday by close a business. I'd like to see your call sheet, what calls you made, where the leads are at, whatever, right? That may be the same thing for the landscape foreman. I, uh, by the end of the week, I expect you to be running these jobs. And by the end of the week, I would like to see the results in the process and maybe the timesheets and maybe the job costing reports or whatever you want from them. So you are communicating the expectations and then you're fulfilling on the accountability of making sure that they've met those expectations. That's that management piece I was getting at before. So you don't feel like you're compelled to micromanage because they know what's expected of them. And they know that by 5 PM every Friday, they've got to submit this report to you or whatever. You're going to have a sit down chat with them every Wednesday for 15 minutes or something like that. But there's the accountability piece to making sure that those expectations are getting met. If they're not, why not? If they are great, at a boy, keep going, and and then then they feel that you've got their back. Like if there if there are any gaps between your expectations and their performance, you're able to say you didn't meet it this week or or this fell short. What can I do to support you? Why why did that happen? Otherwise, there's this unspoken resentment or getting pissed off at them or and them or them at you, and and that's where some of that disharmony starts to really kind of you know mess with a culture. And it's so funny because all of that stuff is upstream from when there's, when people start getting grumpy with each other, that's all upstream crap that just didn't get settled beforehand. So clarifying the expectations and then find a mechanism of some kind with each of those different roles so that you can feel comfortable that they're meeting those expectations. And then, then you can be like hands off of the micromanagement, right? You don't need to be looking over their shoulder every second of the day, because you know, every Friday at five, you're going to get that report and you'll compare it to what your expectations are. And if they don't meet it now, you know what steps would need to be taken. Yeah. It's kind of funny you say that because literally, I mean, 10 minutes before, you know, we got on here, I was talking with, uh, you know, a sales guy and, and I kind of realized that, other than I'd walk through my honest meetings with him, you know, just let him see how I like to run that initial meeting, you know, questions I like to ask, you know, some of those kinds of things. You know, I'd gone over that with him, you know, and in certain basic things like that, it was just, but what I had not done and I didn't even realize it. And that's what's funny. You're kind of saying that. Um, for lack of better words of putting it, I didn't ever, I never even really gave him any sales goals that need to be hit. And I was like, how did I, how did I bypass that? 
other than him knowing what I did, you know, I do, you know, <laughs> our, our revenue was the last couple of years. Yeah. I didn't really tell him, you know, and I'm, and I'm as transparent as I can be other than showing somebody my bank account. Sure. You know, I sat, you know, we had a talk and I was like, you know, I never really told you this, but like, this is how much you got to sell for us to stay in business. Mm-hmm. For me to, you know, for me to, for keep, me to, you be to keep you, <laughs> you got to sell this to make it worth, you know, or else that, you know, you, you just have to go. That's, that's good. You know. Hey, that's one version of communicating. But this the is the amount I need you to make. Yeah. I, you know, but um, it's got to be, you know, and I had never actually done that. I look, I mean, we got to make this much money, you know, per month. Yeah. You got us, you know, and they're, and then we had to walk through it because it seems, even when I look at it, it seems daunting. Like crap, just to do you know a little, just to do a little over two million dollars a year. Yeah, we got to do two hundred thousand dollars a month. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of money. Um, you know, so it's you know I I just really I've never had that conversation with him. He's been with me for three months now, and I was like, that's, that was about his. That's probably should have been the number one thing I put out there was. And I got his commission rate, how all that works is clear, his base salary is clear, how he needs yeah. to approach appointments. But the one thing I didn't give him was any kind of goal to reach. And I was like, how did how did that happen? You know, I just um and it's probably because I don't have things like what you're talking about. I don't have them set in place where it's very clear cut on what they, you know, I expect from them. Um and I've also found some things that you know, even more in this conversation here, realizing that I need to sit down with him and explain other things that need to happen that he's going to, you know, that he needs to, he's in charge of. And is you know, so that I can, like, the goal of this was for me to back away from the sales completely. And like you said, see, uh, you know, I do have him turn in every Friday. It's basically an, um, a sales log, I'll call it, who he met with, you know, what estimates he sent out. We, we sent out that week. Um, and, uh, the one thing I don't have that I do need to have is a very clear cut. This is when you call people back. This is when you try to, you know, all, you know, I've just kind of gone through them each week. If I right, look, call this person back based off, you know, what you say, I don't, I don't have it clear cut of this is how I want to do it. Cause the one thing I hate more than anything is coming off as the old used car salesman term. Right. I can't stand yeah. that. Right. There's nothing that I don't care how good your product is. If you call me every day, I will never buy it from you. You call me three times a week. I will never buy it from you. Right. You know, so it's, um, but I haven't done that with them. And it just, it seemed like things like I was kind of kicking myself early. Like, how did I not do that? You know, Part of it was, well, I need to fill some other positions so I can focus on those things. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of times, a lot of times that, you know, it feels like running around the chicken with his head cut off, just jumping from here to here to here. And, you know, some of the things I really need to get done don't happen. Do you um, think, do you think if you think across your company as it is, and there's those gaps of those clear expectations, if those gaps were filled for you, would going back to what we talked about, would you see less need to have to micromanage or throw yourself into places of your business than if that was clear? Oh yeah. 
I don't have a problem micromanaging once I see it working. There's been ways that I, um, but taking that step is always something I, I battle with. Like I, I, I've had to pull off of certain things of like even the first sales stuff he was doing, I kept, I got too involved with certain things instead of letting him do certain things by himself. Mm-hmm. Now, as he starts to, you know, be more productive and, or, and I see results of it, it'll be easier for me to back away. Sure. I'm not the type that even when it's working, I got to be involved in it. Right. I, I don't do that. Well, Other than knowing. That's interesting. I got to jump in there. Cause you said once he gets more productive, right. Or if it gets more productive, then I can feel like that. How much time I, I just sort of, I wonder if things were more documented, if you had a process that you were able to put into place and train and manage this, you know, this position, your company did, not just Chad, your company did, how much quicker would that productivity potentially ramp up and get to a place where you might be able to step away from it? Do you think if that kind of system was in place? Great question. Would it have expedited? Could it have expedited his progress? How much faster? I don't know, but I, I do feel it definitely could. Yeah, how you much know, probably wasn't whether the best it was, question, but the, you know, I mean, I, I don't know because it's you know I don't have that, so I don't have anything to compare it to. Um, sure, sure, that wasn't the best question, but yeah, but I, I do see what you're saying. That I do think that if I had some of those things more in place, it would make it easier for me to step away because, like you said, you have a very clear cut. This is what you got to do. These are your responsibilities. These things are not your responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. As long as you do them and do them correctly, and I'll stay off of you. Agreed. You're you're building um, what I call a value sandwich for for um for that job description or role foundation, whatever that is. When you clarify those and then manage those expectations, um, and and make sure the your folks are accountable to them. The first level of value is as Matt's describing. You get that that can be part of the engine for the growth, right? Because you, if you're the one managing or micromanaging all that stuff, there's only one of you. You're going to hit a ceiling. There's only so much you can grow. There's only so much you can do. If you can clarify and communicate and then manage those ex- expectations, growth, that's a that's the first layer of the sandwich. Start to add the condiments and the <laughs> meat and the cheese and the veggies. Um, <laughs> we're going yeah. to overwork this metaphor. Um, but the, the second <laughs> one, too, is you actually get a different level of stress or rather stress reduction because again you're clear on it like you said i'll only micromanage when i feel the need to well you wouldn't feel the need to because that communication would be coming in so you got the engine for growth you've got uh, a different relationship to the control that is a natural tendency for most entrepreneurs as far as i am in my experience anyway so what do we got here we got growth we've got your stress reduction We've got the employees' contentment, right? If they always feel like they're being micromanaged, if they feel like you're looking over their shoulder all the time, they're not going to stick around, guaranteed, right? And now now you've lost production. Now you've got to go through all the process of hiring and finding good people again and training them and all of the stuff that goes with that. That costs money. Costs that costs money. money and time. Yeah, so you're going to retain happier employees, <laughs> better employee retention, better engine for growth, your stress level reduction, all one one lever, man, of clarifying those expectations and then managing them. The 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 can I add sea change that happens there? Yeah, please. That was awesome. Dan. <clears throat> I wanted to add to that the engine for growth. 
is you're also creating a replicable system, a sales system in there. So that leads into your production as well. And though you do have a lot of unique stuff and whatnot, you know, as you've probably experienced, there's salespeople that oversell, undersell, don't sell right, don't deliver, whatever. And then, then your production team, there's a difference between what's been promised and sold and that of what can be delivered. And I don't know if you've experienced that lately. It's your business is doing well, but that's in, in my experience working with a lot of various construction and trade businesses, that can be something that happened. You get a salesperson in there that, you know, makes different promises or doesn't know well enough what to say yeah. to do. And the production team comes behind and says, well, I don't know what dude was saying right here because we can't do <laughs> right. that. And we, you this know, we got to change this over here and this is wrong here. And all of a sudden the customer experience is jacked up as a result of that, right? You know, and that's name and reputation as well, but it's inefficient. You know, you got one step of it, it goes from here to the next, and now something has to be fixed in there as well. So it helps you just be able to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and have a very linear kind of way of of producing over and over and over again, a similar result. And from there, growth gets even easier to do, right? Because you can pull that lever and go, hey, I know that this is going to produce in this particular way and we're going to be able to fulfill in this particular way. And it makes it again, systematic with it. Damn coach Matt Pierce. You just built a hoagie. That's what you did. I wasn't a little sandwich. <laughs> we're talking full on hero. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's something that I've, um, I know I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do that soon just with, I mean, regardless of the install company part of it, I know I need to do that. But also with me taking on this other company and their current employees, I'm going to have to have that in place basically because I'm also starting with new people. It's um, I'm going to have to have it from day one, very clear cut here. This is, you know, and I'll talk with them and see what it is they're doing already. And, you know, you can get a feel for all of that, but then I'm going to have to tell them, well, this is what I expect of you. Totally. Mm-hmm. They, you, know, you haven't been with me since day one. Yep. They know how to hedge, mow, and trim, but do they know how to do it all American landscape way? Do they not know how to do it the way that yeah. it's it's going to be expected, the way your salespeople are selling it, the way uh, the customers are, are traditionally happy with your business to, to justify whatever their invoice is going to be at the end of the job, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, and that's, that's something like I said. I've, I'm going to have to do it quicker than I planned on with, um, I mean, and then usually these things are, you know, they're, they're good things to happen. It's like I didn't expect to need to do this as soon, but I have to with the new company coming in, but it'll also help me. Like, all right, I, I need to do it for the, my existing company also, something I haven't done. Um, but definitely... I'm going to have to, because it's going to start. If I don't do that, I'm going to get in over my head and then I'll just be kind of screwed at that point. Yeah. You know, and that can happen really, really fast. I just think of the effect that, you know, we're talking a lot about the business and the productivity, but you know, Dan, you keep, you're talking about it too. It kind of keeps coming up a little bit, but that stress factor of that, right. You know, anytime that there's the, the need for you to feel like you have to plant yourself back in or pull yourself back in, you know, jump in and, and make corrections or fix something in there that just takes your stress up and that's quality of life. And you had talked about that, that's balance for you, right? You're at a place where you're like, well, revenue is great. No, 
But, you know, the balance between that and my quality of life and, you know, being able to be present for my kids' activities, that that's where I start to tip the scale with it. Yeah, I could grow to a certain point, but if it's going to affect me in this way with my family, it's not, it's not reasonable. So the more that you can create the systems and processes within your business that keep you from having to be jump in and, you know, band-aid or patch up holes all the time, the less it's going to affect that quality of life that you talked about in the beginning. Totally agree, man. Yeah. And that's, 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 it's one of those things I've, I haven't put the time into doing that, that I need to partly because I won't say I'm not lost on how to do it, but trying to make sure I do it the right way. That doesn't cost me. Um, is what I've been working on trying to figure out how to get it a little bit more, especially in the last two years, I've been working more towards trying to get things to where it, it doesn't all revolve around me. You know, it's, um, to where I don't have to, like, if I, when we go on vacation, I just, I think when they, they'll, I'll put it, we go to the beach, you know, at least once a year. I, I still work most of it. You know, I can't get away from that. You know, it's like, we'll go, Nicole will take the kids down to the beach around two o'clock. I'll join them, you know, or if I am able to go down there, you know, 10 or 11 in the morning, I'll be sitting there on my phone for a couple hours, you know, kind of talking with the kids, playing with the kids, but answering text messages, they come in, answering emails, they come in because I don't have it enough. Like I, you know, I haven't had a real vacation in 15 years, you know, where other than a, a weekend getaway, you know, yeah. we, we do those, you know, as often as we can, you know, for mom can watch the kids or something, or we just take the kids to the cabin for the weekend. Like those are great, but a week of actually, you know, I can actually step away and actually enjoy a vacation. There's no way, you know, I mean, I went out to, I mean, that doesn't mean I haven't gone on them, but I, I I don't work much less. I mean, I went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming for almost two weeks. I worked till three o'clock every day. Hold on. Let me interrupt you. Why no way? No no way way. can I do that? Yeah. Why no way? Because I don't have it set up to run without me. Yet. Yet. Those those exact same things I were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't currently have those things set up where I could, be able to step away from all the day-to-day type stuff. You know, I um, you know, maybe at some point, I don't, I'm not trying to say, oh, I want to be able to go on a three-month vacation and I have to answer nothing. I don't know if I have that in me. Step away from three months completely. But to better take a week-long vacation and not have to, you know, give somebody else my phone. Oh, yeah. Like, here, you need me calling Nicole's phone. That's one of those things, like, I know it's possible, but feels like an impossible thing to ever be. There. I feel you. I feel you, Chad. I mean, I, you know, I ran, I ran the gym. I don't want to make this all about me, but I distinctly remember the first vacation I took that I did not have to and did not check my phone. And it took a while and it took a while. And there was that itch though. Like I, I, I need, I need, I need to go grab this, <laughs> yeah. thing, you know, something, something. And then even coming back, I was like, I'm going to get here and there will have been this thing that got handled. And I walk in and, and it was like, nah, yeah, we had this little thing and it was all taken care of. And I was like, wow, that was nice, dude. Right. That was right. Nice. Yeah. right. Cause if everybody knows, <laughs> no, that, everybody that knows how, how to handle that stuff, either through templates or scripts or 
proper training, all those expectations that we were talking about getting really clear on if they know how to do it. I mean, you can still set up a hotline, right? If, if something's burning down, literally, <laughs> they can give you a call. They can reach you. But otherwise, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you have a good, competent enough team and, and they have been properly trained. Man, your ability is I want I want you to be able to take a three month vacation, even if it would just turn into a three day or for you just so you and, and where you could literally like you said, you went to Jackson Hole for two weeks. I guarantee you didn't build a single wall while you're in Jackson Hole and yet you were still working. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same thing. I did a 10 day motorcycle trip up in Niagara Falls by myself. One, one of the greatest trips I've ever been on in my life. But I stopped every two hours, every well, every two hours. But I had my phone up on the phone mount, and if text messages come through, I could see them. And every couple hours, I had to pull over, and it worked for an hour or two, you know. Or I'd get to a hotel, I'd work till midnight. Yeah, and then I was still putting in eight hours a day. It may be you know from nine until midnight, and then a, you know a couple stops in a day. But yeah, it can't yeah, that that. That would be great to do that. All right, let's keep moving this forward. You did a, a great job at articulating um, uh, kind of what that gap is as to uh, what some of the frustrations and challenges are. And and I think we all agree that being able to clarify the expectations, maybe with an org chart, some kind of an org structure, your employees understanding the way we do it at All American Landscape, um, and, and um, yeah, defining and managing those expectations. So. The fact that you haven't done them yet. All right, whatever. No biggie. We're here now. Now what? What's in the way of you getting that going? There'd be, there'd definitely be things I'd have to figure out. I'd have to like, it's, I don't know, let's just say a hundred percent. It's, you know, on a scale of one to a hundred, a hundred knowing all of it, you know, I may be like a 30, you know, as far as that, you know, cause I have a general, you know, idea of, you know, I know exactly what kind of charts you're talking about. I know what they look like. I know, you know, how they're supposed to be set up. I, I understand all of that. But then taking that and implementing my business and making the, the yep. adjustments to it, that would be the, you know, I'd have to spend some time really trying to, you know, figure that out. That'd be the tricky part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would take some time of, you know, and, and like everything else, the learning curve, I'm, the first draft would definitely not be the final draft. And it'd probably always be evolving, but um, it's definitely one of those things where it's, I'd have to figure that out, basically. It's not like I could sit here and say, no, if I were to sit down tomorrow, I'd know exactly the steps I need to take to do it. Sure. You know, I'd, I'd have some starting points, like I'm not completely lost in it, but there's also a lot that I don't know either. Yeah. And it's one thing like I've always done good at is I know what I don't know. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. That's great. And you seem like a pretty motivated guy to figure stuff out. You mentioned that a couple of times just to echo that back. So I want to advocate really strongly. There are a lot of others who have already done it and written great instruction manuals, whether it's books or consultants or coaches or um, God, the, uh, there's this thing out there they call the internet. It's crazy. Um, And there are resources, people who have already done this. I just want to, I just want to emphasize, Chad, you don't have to figure everything out. You might have to apply your values and the way you want it and your brand. You might have to apply all of that stuff to general templates, but man, that stuff is already out there. Um, 
Matt, let's after this call, let's figure out something good to be able to to attach as a as a template for some of the structure. How's that sound? Just as a sure. starting point, sure. even even some basic books like I mean, you know, go back to some of the some of the essentials that we know. Uh, one called E Myth Mastery. It's huge. It's thick. There's a ton to it. Um, but that's a starting point. There's another one that's probably a little bit shorter called Traction um, through a company called EOS. They've got a great resource. It's a relatively easy read. Um, and again, maybe we'll attach a template here for, for some of that structure as well, but don't, don't feel like you got to start from scratch and invent a wheel all by yourself. There's giants upon whose shoulders you can stand. There are people who, who know this stuff inside and out and, and it's not all up to you to figure out. I guess I'll make a generalized statement here that, and I'm, I'm sure there's, because I've, I've come across this with other things, not just, I never, I didn't look too much into this uh, specific thing. I think so many times you go read, you know, books like what you're talking about, doing things like this. It always seems to be set on a scale that's a much larger company or much other, to where it's like so much of it doesn't apply, if, if I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Like they'll have 15 sales guys, you know, 34, whatever, whatever company it may be. You know, it just, it always, maybe I just haven't looked in the right place. Yeah, might be the wrong books. But, <laughs> you know, even if it was just, you know, trying to look into bookkeeping, how to, you know, when, when I was first figuring that stuff out, how to really do it accurately um, and how to really be able to see, am I making money or am I not making money? You know, everything I'd read and tried to find was a little difficult because it was all like set for like how they do a $20 million company. Well, dude, I'm not a $20 million company. At that point, I was doing 500 grand a year. You know, so it's, like I said, maybe I just haven't looked in the right places or, or whatever. But and so I've kind of shied away from reading too much of stuff like that just because it seemed like so much of it, you know, it's like, all right, I'll read a 400 page book and maybe five pages of it I can use. Um, and then I'm just like, screw it. I don't have the time for that. Um, so that's, you know, maybe I'll point in the right direction as far as that goes, but that's one thing I've always kind of found it irritating. Um, and I think that even goes back to Matt, what I told you after I listened to the first two podcasts is like everything you ever listened to is always somebody got it all figured out all, you know, all their guests all seem like they're, you know, there are some CEO of, you know, I don't know, Walmart. Like, well, of course they got it figured out. Right. You know, so, right. you know, I know a lot of people, business owners that, I mean, crap, every person I know, no matter how successful a business are, there is, you know, feels lost at points. So it's, of course, I guess finding the right books and the right program has been difficult in a lot of things. So I kind of stopped looking for other stuff and just, I personally have done it off of, trying to figure things out by looking at companies that of people that I know, you know, like my uncles, for example, or um, one of my best friends used to own a big stone yard around here. And so I've just tried to do, make some talking with them, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. That's been the only way I've ever known to try to figure those things out. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's, I think of where I'm, had a point to that, but now I can't remember. But um, 
but it's just always a little bit tricky trying to figure that stuff out to find some kind of, and maybe I look too much into it, but let's just say we're going to read a book about how to set up those charts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just find one that actually I feel like can apply to me mm-hmm. and what I'm doing without it just being a bunch of like, I don't think any of this really like. Would Emith, would Emith contractor be a good one for him to start out with? I've never, I haven't read that one. That, that'd be a good one too. Um, I'm thinking of, of, um, the traction is good though, Chad. I'll tell you that much traction to a solid one as well. Super solid. I'm a, I'm, I probably I'm a look fan too much into wanted to be, I probably look too much into wanted to be exactly like mine instead of just realizing I the same, I'll say program. You almost work like a plug and play. It doesn't really matter what company it is. Right. You know, sales guy's a sales guy. Right. You know, of course, every one of them is going to be tweaked. Right. I have a bad habit if I want the exact answer and I want it now. You know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to have to figure it out. Like, yeah. give me the template and just tell me this is it. And if it's not it, I don't want to see it. I want you, know, you to lean into that thing you mentioned that. earlier. You said being in this for 14 years, one of the muscles that you have have exercised and grown over that time as your patience and, and give yourself some credit there. I think if you give yourself a timeline that is realistic and you say, I don't know, you got 12 months in a year. If there are 12 different roles in your company and you set yourself just a, a, a very modest goal of every month, I'm going to take one of those roles and I'm going to have a sit down with everybody who sits in that seat or walk behind that mower or whatever it is. Everybody who holds that position once a month by the end of the year you would have all of that done and by the way that's a super modest goal i think you could probably just about do one a week and and that's far more realistic yeah, you give it you give it two if three, two, three months it. yep two three months you'd have that oh my god but it's gonna pay dividends man i mean th- it, i always look at the at the return on the investment of something like that if you have to invest i mean say on the upside you've got to invest three hours to build a role foundation for somebody with the expectations, kind of a, a glamorized, a more comprehensive job description. If it took you three hours to do that, do you know how many times that would pay itself back in questions you didn't have to answer, in problems you had to fix later, in in refunds you had to give somebody, et cetera, et cetera, and the stress the hiring, level, the hiring employees. employees who don't know what the hell you expect of them, they're not going to stick around. That, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's an that. ROI. It's hard to even calculate. If you have to meet with a, a a building inspector to get a permit, and and you're the guy to go meet with them, and they set an appointment with you at Tuesday at noon, and some knucklehead phone call comes in at twelve fifteen, somebody asking some question, do you answer that phone call? Do you go run that errand just because it feels a little bit urgent? No, you take that meeting with the building inspector because it's not negotiable. You know that that's. Right. It's got a position yeah. in your calendar and you're not going to compromise on that. If you can elevate this kind of strategic activity to that height, to that level of priority and make it non-negotiable, you put something down in your calendar for three hours, twice a week, one hour, three times a week, something like that. Just making that commitment and then holding that as a non-negotiable for yourself. Brother, you can't lose like you, but you have to elevate it to that level of non-negotiability you can't compromise on that hold it as i mean you're you're perfectly capable of setting and keeping a meeting you do it all the time you're just not doing it with yourself 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't. And I, and doing it in a way, like I think you said, of like a, almost like put it on my calendar. Okay. One day next week, and I set aside three hours. And I found that with a lot of things. But if I, but I basically, if I just put it on my calendar, it would happen. You know, saying that because I know I, you know, with other things that I do, I just know nothing will be scheduled. You know, I'll have no appointments scheduled then. Yeah. I'll have no. See, but I think what my problem's been is like, all right, I can say I need to do this three hours next week, but I won't tell Nicole who handles all the scheduling. You know, so then she'll, and then it's like, I never have the time to do it because I've never set aside a distinct time, all right, from 12 to 3. Next Wednesday, right? This is happening, right? Being Don't schedule me anything right before right. it. Nothing, right? You know, just that window. You know, I haven't done that. But the important, I think that's probably the only way I would do it. Totally, the important thing well, me, doesn't always rise to the level of urgency that uh, that would cause you to stick to it. Matt, I'm going to echo words back to you from a previous conversation. I think it was with Andrew a couple episodes ago about getting clear on the price that you're paying for not doing that. And if you can have an acute sense of exactly what that price is, the stakes are high enough. You'll stick to it, right? Yeah. I actually wanted to tie it into, I don't know if you know this, Dan, but he's a, he was a competitive power lifter. And he also worked out at my gym. And, and I would say you prioritize that kind of stuff, right? You really put that as hard training. You put it on your schedule. That's a long You game. made it a, that priority. Yeah. Yeah. How can you, how can you put that same level for you? This is just for you. You know, maybe some of the other people that exercise that listen to this, right. You know, how can you put it at that same level of priority that says, Hey, this is a long grind, right? I'm not going to see results right away. I'm not going to pull that deadlift PR right away. I got to put in the work in between and it's arduous. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes it's not my, my favorite thing to do, but I ultimately I want to get that achievement that goal that down the road thing it's the same kind of stuff with the strategic work it's it is it's a it's a consistent kind of grind yeah, with it, I, had, I had set times that right. saturday mornings nine to twelve that was squat day mondays at a certain time yeah. a bit that had three days a week nothing happened in those times but so much of that chad right you're delaying the the result, right? You get the feeling, yeah, it worked out. It was great. All that kind of stuff. But that big result of that competition, that PR, that winning, that whatever it may be, that's way down the road, right? You know, and this kind of work is similar to that. I'm not trying to put it out that it takes that long, but it's similar to that where you got to, you prioritize it and you grind away at it for this result later on down the road, road that is, is what you're looking for, which your aim is for, right? Your goal. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And I think the part that has made me put it off has been more of the, like, I know that if I do those things, you know, that will in turn, you know, have a reward, you know, make more money, whatever you want to, you know, less stress, whatever, a number of different things. It's more difficult to quantify. It's not like you can sit here and say, look, if you do this, you'll make $100,000 more next year. So it's hard to look at it that way. Whereas other things, like just for say, you know, the the powerlifting thing, I know that this is the goal. I have a set. If I do this, this will happen. So that's one thing I've always struggled with with numerous different 
avenues of my business. But there is one that you could quantify, and one of which is, dude, I went on vacation and I didn't have to check my my phone. That's true, and that's that's the I guess that's the kind of way I need to, you know, for lack of better terms, trick myself. You know, it's like I mean, it's, it's a realistic thing, but just say, look, hey, how bad do you want to go on a real vacation? You know. <laughs> I think the first next step that you need to do, and and this might sound silly, but this this sets a this sets a, a goal line. This is that twenty six point two mile marker. This is that PR for your deadlift. This is, but you need to with your wife, uh, set a put on your calendar a vacation at some point oh, in the future. Take 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 your time. Figure out when it's going to be, where it's going to be. Hell, maybe even make the reservation, but you've got to have this moment where you say that's, that's the goal line right there. That's, that's how I, we need by this time to be at that place. So that that's at least specific enough. That's the starting point. I'd say your second next step, Matt, feel free to weigh in here. If, if I'm missing any of these, I think the second one is you need to, while you got your calendar open, you need to block out some times during your week. Minimum five hours a week. Those can be one hour blocks. They can usually be a couple 90 minute sessions, whatever you need to do, but block out some time to do this strategic work so you can extract yourself just enough to earn the dividends on that work. Make sure that it's work that's going to be high value, that ROI, return on investment, whatever you're investing that time in that you know you're going to be able to recoup that back for, for like I said, three hours into a into a role foundation for somebody and, and being clear on what that is, if that's going to save you 20 hours of hiring time over the next three months, you just got a seven to one payback on that time. So set some time in your calendar. That's a second thing, specific blocks during the week, what, whenever you're going to be in that best space, whenever maybe it's slow in the business, maybe it's before everybody's awake. Maybe it's certain times in the afternoon when you know, things are humming along out in the field, whatever. But, First two action items, man, are have to do with your calendar. Set your vacation, set your strategic time. And then the third thing is during that strategic time, I think the next, again, high leverage item is to uh, create those role foundations or identify those expectations that you have for the different roles within your company. And you might have to start with an org chart. You might need to go upstream a little bit from that and identify even what all of the different roles are and and happy to work with you on that outside of this. And Matt, I know is uh, we'll try and provide some resources as well after the call here for, for some structure for that, but uh, clarifying those expectations, get those role foundations written for your team. And it sounds like you've got a golden opportunity right now to do that either with your salespeople or your maintenance crew. And I think the golden opportunity is with the maintenance crew because they're starting fresh, right? You've got a great chance to make first impression with them about what it's like to work for all American landscape. Those are the three, uh, those are the three things that I'm hearing. Matt, am I missing anything that you've heard or are you chat of anything? Has anything come up where you're like, ah, I got to put this on the list too. I think that's pretty thorough. And I think it was very concise. Um, It's valuable use of time. I love, I love, I love the idea of putting out that goal. Got to put that goal out there. And then from there, you're going to fill in the gap of, okay, how is it that I'm actually going to be able to enjoy that vacation? Maybe it's not perfect 100%, but no. you're working towards it and you get enough done that it is a difference that this time than it was next time. But if you don't put that out there, then what's going to fill in the time from now to that point and what actions are you going to take in between? I think everything that Dan lined up there was, was ideal. 
Yeah, perfect. Here we yeah, go. No, it's funny you said the vacation thing. I mean, because it was because last you know December was my wife's 15th year anniversary. We had talked about for years going on like a trip out of the country. You know, something more than you know just me and her. You know, something that's that you know more than just you know going to the beach or whatever. And the time came around that we just we can't do that. I can't, I can't go out of the country. I, I can't do There's no way. Yeah. You know, I, that, you're, you're putting me too far away from, you know, you know, to come back if there's a problem, you know, I can't just up and drive home if there's a problem you know, or catch a flight back home. That's, I mean, it'd take me two days to get back home. My wife's going to love when I tell her. No, this. we blew the surprise. <laughs> Damn it. You had a great yeah. chance here. That's, uh, probably about as good a goal as I could have for that, honestly, because I'd rather have that than it just can tell me, hey, you better make more money. Like, hey, that's that's great. It's not a bad thing. But, you know, you said I get to take her on a trip and not have to be working. You know, that's priceless. That's a goal I like priceless. better than just, hey, you'll make some more money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you can't. You can't beat that. Couldn't agree more. So anybody wanting uh, a it. list of that, you'll see them in the show notes, of course. And, and um, Chad, man, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate getting the chance to meet you. Matt already knew you and, and had a leg up on that one, but I, I love just meeting you and hearing your perspective on business and, and your approach to it and everything. I mean, it seems like you've got so much stuff dialed in and you're just leaving a few things on the table uh, for value for your time and how you're spending it. And um, I, I, I can't wait to see a follow-up conversation with you and, and where you're at, you know, maybe, maybe send us a postcard from your vacation. <laughs> no, absolutely. I appreciate it. Dude. I had fun. Uh, and, yeah. Learn some things I need to do also. So right on. Awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Good to have you, Chad. Good to see you. No, again, I appreciate man. it. Thank you. You too, man. All right. Yeah. Thanks again. We appreciate you joining us today for the clearing obstacles podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Yes, sir. We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. And if you want more like this, please subscribe to the Clearing Obstacles podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can go to clearingobstacles.com for more information. And there you'll find links to other episodes, as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life. So let us help you get there from here because nobody should do this on their own. We also want to thank you for listening and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our Supreme Assistant and Navigator Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience.